The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie, live from the old National Bank State Street Studio. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago, the new home of the Chicago Bears. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. I, I thought it was a great game all around. I, I did not love what happened before the half. I thought it was very conservative, Coach. You had a chance uh, before the half. The clock ticked down from about 40-some seconds, and then the clock kept rolling till about 20-some seconds left. And then you guys got a new set of downs, and then you were forced then to use the Hail Mary before the half. And a lot of clock got chewed up there before the half. You guys played it conservatively. Yeah, so on, on that drive, you know, so what hurt us on the drive really was the penalty. So it was first and 10, right? We had 104, and then went to second and three, and that's when I called the timeout on that one. And then we got a penalty that took us, put us behind the sticks at, at second and 13 from the minus 32, 53 seconds. You know, so that's when we went to third down, okay, got the first down, had a 15-yard completion, which is great. So we're back on track right there. And then from there, what we did was we did a good job of uh, – the first down on the, at 19 seconds, we had plenty of time right there, and we ended up taking a sack on the second play. So really, the two negative plays is what hurt us. We had plenty of time to get what we needed done there. So you know, with that, so the penalty and the sack is what hurt us on that drive. So you you don't you don't regret not using a timeout sooner there. Yeah, because what happens is you know second down to third down. If you don't get that third down, then all of a sudden you're punting the ball away, and you're going to give the opponent the ball with time and timeouts. But your your defense, like, and this is where like I just disagree. Your defense there, which you're calling, is doing so well. You're one in five at this point. You've allowed them only three points. Why not just take a chance and, and call the timeout? And if you do have to punt, you have confidence in your defense. Yeah, I have you know utmost confidence in our defense, and that's the way we played the game right there, and that's, it was a good decision on our part. Matt Eberfluso with us yesterday at 210. He'll join us every Monday at 210. Uh, the game worked out well, and uh, it didn't cost them one bit. I didn't love it, and I take your calls at halftime. I know a lot of fans didn't love it at the point, and I got a lot of text messages on that. I know our uh, text thread uh, hated it um, in that situation. Pedal to the metal. Yeah, like a... Put your foot down. N- uh, nothing to lose from it. And, and this isn't uh, hindsight whatsoever, uh, that things didn't work out. I always love when they're more aggressive. Like, for instance, there was a game. What was the the home game? I'm trying to think. Where in the opening drive, they didn't go for it on fourth down. Broncos. Was this the Broncos, the Broncos game? Yep. They didn't go for it and then, on fourth and one, and, and they were around the 50. And then they punted, and I hated it. And then the next drive, they went for it in almost the same situation. And and that's that's what you do, uh, and I just it's I don't like the conservative football. You're one in five at this point. Your defense was playing good football. You stop the clock. That way, when the sack does happen, it it isn't going to ruin the drive with 19 seconds left because you did pick up the first down. And look, if you didn't pick up the first down on that third down in that situation and you ended up calling that that timeout earlier in that drive and you did have to punt it and give the Raiders more time, 
you would have pinned him back further, and your defense would have gone to work. And who knows? Maybe Brian Hoyer would have thrown a pick. And if they would have scored, and if they would have had, and Devontae Adams would have gone down and gone 80 yards and, and made a guy miss, I would not have been mad. I would not have been mad one bit. I would have said, that's what you need to do every single time. You've got to let your offense try and make a play in that situation. And if you feel the momentum of the game as well, you were dominating on both sides of the football. You were dominating. You were dom- That's what I said. You were oh, dominating on both sides I, I of the football. I thought you said you were dominating. No, you were dominating on both sides of the football. So I just was, was all for being more aggressive, for sure. Yeah. 312-332-3776. So Eberflus again joins us Mondays at 210. Big Cat uh, is not with us today. He is moving days. So Barstool Big Cat, now that he's back in Chicago, is going to try and be with us in person more often in our old National uh, Bank studio. He's going to be with us tomorrow in studio, correct, Tyler? Yes, in studio tomorrow. At at 4 o'clock. So he is now going forward, moving to Wednesdays at 4 and Wilbon is flip-flopping, and he is moving to Tuesdays. Has Big Cat requested any type of special chair or, like, a throne or anything? Has he made any requests? I haven't gotten any requests. Nothing? Okay. Should we get Mr. him, like, Katz, a Steinhoffel's no. uh, sure, recliner? Sure, absolutely, yeah. Something that he can uh, sit back in. He's not a very needy guy, though, so he's not one of these types that would demand stuff. But I'm, I'm we should get him something special. People always ask me, it's one of the questions I get the most, is what is Big Cat really like? In person. Better than he is on... He's great on television and the radio and everything, but he's an even nicer guy. He's a fabulous human being. I met him uh, at 5050 in Wicker Park the first time, and it was when he was still in real estate, and he was just getting into the blogging business. And it was before I knew what Barstool was. And he said, hey, he goes, I'm I'm Dan Katz. I go by Big Cat on uh, Barstool, and I'm I'm a fan, and I listen to you and Waddle. I've got some shirts. Can I bring them to you guys? I go, yeah, I'm at uh, Ditka's with Waddle uh, and, uh, tomorrow. So he double parked the car at Ditka's and he ran up and he dropped up the shirts. And it was before I knew uh, who he was. And he was like this super down to earth guy and kid when I met him then. And he is still that. I tell this to people all the time. He's still that same dude that I met in the basement at 5050 that day. As he is today. Like, he has not changed one bit, no matter how many millions he's worth now. I, I remember him doing what you just described. I forget the T-shirts. What well, were the T-shirts? Well, they were at the time, I think, the Yabo T-shirts. Okay. And, and, and I think there were a couple of other ones. But I do remember him coming in for that. Yeah, and you're like, I, I told you, I go, I go to Waddle. I said, I go, Big Cat's coming in. And you, th- you were expecting Big Cat Williams. Yeah. And it was before like we knew who right. like, Big Cat was. And then Big Cat Williams didn't come in. And I said, yeah. where's Big Cat? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is, oh, this this is, is Big, Big Cat. Cat. Yeah. Now so, he's the Big Cat. Yes. He's yes. the biggest cat. Yes, he is. Uh, I want to play you this. This is also from another big dude, Kyle Brandt, NFL Network. Now, of course, this is uh, something that plays well with video. But I looked at Waddle and I said, hey, watch this. Does this translate on radio? What what did you say to me? He's the best in the business. You don't have to see it to enjoy it. Uh, Kyle Brandt is a big Bears fan. It's good morning football. I, I retweeted it and I said, um, I don't know if anyone enjoys footballing more than Kyle Brandt. He just loves his job. 
He loves talking about the Bears. He has a segment on Good Morning Football, if you don't watch, called Angry Runs. And what, at the end of the year, he gives out, what's, what's the uh, thing the called? Scepter. The scepter. To the, ang- the guy who had the angriest run of the year. To the king of angry runs. The king of the angry runs. And he is so great and so enthusiastic, especially when talking about the Bears. Count how many great references there is in this two-minute chunk as he talks about Deontay Foreman's two big angry runs in this game. And there are so many great Chicago references in here. And there are a couple of sneaky good Vegas references in here. It is so good. This is our buddy Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. Now let's roll. Let's go to the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. I got my guy new in town, Deontay Foreman. And we're going down the sideline in three, two, one, boom. That's right. He didn't have to do that. He wanted to do it. He's been out of bounds for seven <laughs> steps, and he still did it. And look at my man, the, the folk here on Bajant. And look at all the linemen fired up. What's up, Lucas Patrick? Yeah, Peter Lucas Patrick from... No, no! Duke! Take a lap, Schrager. Now watch this. Look how beautiful this is. Freeze it. Look at how this thing is set up. Mm. These are the Orakai coming into Helm's Deep. <laughs> They're ready to rock some people. And look at the Raiders sideline. Mm-mm. Better get on that early flight to O'Hare, get some Garrett popcorn, go back to Vegas and right to the Rhino. This one ain't happening. We got my guy, Cody White here. We got Tevin Jenkins. I think Olin Cruz is in there. And Fred Miller and John Tate. Unfreeze it. If you think I won't do a whole segment just naming Bears linemen, I will. Tom Thayer, Mark Bortz, Jimbo Covert. Here we go. One, two, three. He doesn't have to. He does it because he wants. You know the crazy thing about Dante Foreman? The craziest thing? He had another angry yeah, run he did. in the same game. I so. Let's go back to him. Deontay Foreman wearing that R.W. McCorder. Oh. Are you kidding me? He's new in town. What do you do when you're new in town? You go to Lincoln Park and you go to the Wiener Circle. Yeah. He's treating these people, these Raiders, <laughs> like the Wiener Circle employees treat the customers. Can I get some relish on that? Shut up. Can I get some mustard? Your mama's got mustard. That's what he's doing right here. And he's flexing. Deontay Welcome to Chicago. Three touchdowns, two angry runs. How great was He's that? He's the funniest guy in our business. Oh, how awesome was that? The the Wiener Circle reference, the Garrett Popcorns refri- uh, uh, reference, the Spearmint Rhino reference in there. Go back. It's all spot on. <laughs> the Rhino. Did, he, did I hear an R.W. McCormick oh, yeah, reference in there? Yes, you did. All the Bears uh, linemen reference. John Tate. John Tate. Mark Bortz. Tom Thayer. It was great. Olin Cruz and Fred Miller back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. So funny. And good for for Deontay Foreman being recognized for a fantastic effort on Sunday. Hope they continue to give him the football Sunday night in Los Angeles. Yes, yes. Because if you watch that game again, it was a very simple game plan. And they focused on running the football more than I can remember ever watching them put together a game plan. And if it wasn't clear because you were trying to count all the great references he was it was the run where along the sidelines Deontay Foreman was, was three a, or four steps out of bounds and it was you know he was, was walking it a screen was yes. it the screen I think pass. it was a screen yeah. yes okay yeah 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 and then yeah along the sidelines so he's already out of bounds for three or four steps but he yeah. still just la- hammer layers the boom <laughs> on he's the a uh, hard runner the too. Raider. well yeah. I was asking uh, Jason McKee 
on the post-game show. Do you guys think Foreman, with this performance alone, has made sure that he should not be inactive going forward? Like, even I, if I, Herbert and Roshan are on the field? I always said this, Meller, that I... I I want to say that on opening day, they activated all their running backs. They did. They did. And, and, and then I, because I then said a few games in that he should be active and Velas should not be active. And a lot of people said it's easy to say in hindsight, but you have too many running backs and, and, and that, that's a numbers game. And I said, well, opening day, they had all those running backs active. Remember, then they all got hurt in the Washington game, and you didn't have enough running backs. So, like, my, my thought was, well, why did you have them all active on opening day? And, like, Deontay Foreman was still a, a really good signing. And they're, they're using now Velas a little bit more, but I still don't believe he's as impactful as Deontay Foreman could be. You can give all of Velas Jones' snaps to Tyler Scott. They pretty much yeah. do the well, same thing. Well, think about the overlap. You've got, you've got too many guys who are, like, allocated for just special teams slightly between Travis Homer, Trent Taylor, yes. Bayless Jones. Too many specialists. You're yeah. right. You need, you, 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 I mean, especially when Deontay Foreman can do what, what we saw. You're going to have to keep extra backs active because the guys that they have other than Roshan Johnson are not very good in pass protection. Right. So you've got to have Roshan available when he clears concussion protocol because neither Foreman nor Khalil Herbert, that is not a strength of theirs. To your point, there was one play where Joniak said, uh, here's an end around to Valus Jones, and it was it was Tyler Scott. Yes. And he goes, oh, I thought that was Valus because that's a play they run normally with Valus. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Tyler Scott can be a good wide receiver, and he can do the things that they do with these tricky plays with Velas. You don't need it's redundancy. to force it. There's redundancy because Tyler Scott can also return kicks if you need him to. I, I look, Velas Jones is is does not offer a lot that other guys don't offer. And then again, as you said, you're you are wasting you're wasting a a a you know, a, an active player on Sundays because you're going to need these backs again, because these guys don't like, there's not Roshan Johnson, despite being a, a rookie is your best in pass protection. Yes. Like you don't get that from the other guys. The other guys do certain things, you know, Deontay Foreman had a touchdown reception, but it's not his specialty. He dropped the first pass of the game on third down. Or the first third down conversion. I believe they threw a yes. screen on the first play. Well, but that's you, a play that he's got to make the catch because he had a very good chance. I would say 90% chance of him converting that third down. So, like, if I, I understand, they signed Travis Homer. He's a, you know, a special team right. on, on all phases. So I get why he's active. But then it's, you've also signed Trent Taylor. And when he's there for just punt returns, right. like, Velas has to do more if he's going to be getting these opportunities, if he's going to be active with all these other guys. Exactly. You have just that one player for just punt returns. Just punt returns. So when you only have Velas doing those few things, come on now. It's too much. I think Deontay Foreman has earned the right to be active on Sundays, even when everybody else gets Good open. player. He's a really good player. Uh, let's go to Campbell and Lagrange. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Campbell? How you guys doing? I've been hanging here for a while, but just wanted to go back to what you guys were talking about about Harbaugh about like an hour ago. And uh, two parts to my question here: Is there any chance the Bears go with like an offensive guy, like maybe like Ben Johnson, the Lions coordinator, or like sure. even 
Ken Dorsey, the Bills coordinator, who stepped in for Dable. And then also, like, does Harbaugh's ties when he played for the Bears have any, like, does that play any part in the chance of him coming here? I don't know how they feel about that. I think I they li- I think they normally like it, but I I, I don't know. I, I like Ben Johnson is a guy that I've talked a lot about. Um, has Ken Dorsey stock gone down with some of the uh, problems and inconsistencies the Bills' offense has had? I I don't think it's as high as it was, but I don't think it's in the trash. There was a good clip of him talking about. There seems to be a little bit. I wouldn't controversy is too big a word, but there's a little bit of of friction between what Sean McDermott wants to do offensively and maybe what Ken Dorsey wants to do as well. So, and that tends to happen when you you get beaten by a Patriots team that stinks uh, a few days earlier. So, but I, you know, I think Ken Dorsey's still going to get head coaching interviews. For you sure. know who I don't want? I don't want the USC head coach. Oh, Lincoln Riley? No. I, I don't think Lincoln Riley is, is, is head coach, NFL head coach material. But the, the word, have you, have you heard what the USC reporter has said? Black's talked about this at night. The guy who covers USC went on Dan Patrick late last week, and he has said that Lincoln Riley has put out feelers that he wants to go to the NFL and maybe with Caleb Williams. And it reminds me too much of what the, the former head coach of What's his name? Kingsbury? Cliff yeah, Kingsbury. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Where he doesn't, he's an OC. Yeah. And, and Lincoln Riley hasn't had an answer defensively on the college level. No. How's he going to have the answers in the NFL? Well, his team's also got two losses this year, albeit against teams with very good defenses. But, like, they're not going to win a national championship this year. So I don't think he's writing his own ticket in the NFL. And I don't think that like a t- an NFL team isn't going to be held hostage by, hey, we're a package deal. No, Caleb Williams no, no. and I are a package deal. I'd prefer, look, if we're going innovative, young, offensive mind, you know, I would go to Detroit and interview yes, that dude first. Yes, yes. That's where I would He's go. called plays on an NFL right. level. He has worked his way up on the NFL level. He's got connections with NFL head coaches. He's worked with Dan Campbell, who has unified a team and understands what building a team is all about. Like, he's been around the block in NFL circles. He checks a lot of boxes. Uh, he's been with Miami for a long time. There, there's a lot of good stuff there with Ben Johnson. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there are other names that are going to come up. But we'll see. We had our first give Eberflus more, more time calls today. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've heard a couple of them in the past. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of season left, but if you're making wagers in Vegas, the wager is is that they're going to be looking for somebody new. Change the narrative, fine. Go ahead, win the next 11 games, and then tell us that we are all stupid. Is there 11 games left? Are we 5-2, and two, so 7? Yeah. No, there's 10, 10 games left. So go win the next 10 games, and then we'll all be dumb. But uh, barring that, um, I think that there's a very good chance that that you're looking at somebody else directing this team next year. All right, I want to talk to uh, Michael Wilbon. He's going to join us next again. Him and Big Cat are doing a flip-flop going forward. Wilbon is moving to Tuesdays, and Big Cat's going to be joining us a lot of times in studio. He'll be in studio at this time tomorrow. He'll be on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock 
going forward. So we'll talk to Michael Wilbon coming up next. We'll pick his brain about what he thinks about Bajent and his performance. Is he buying what he was selling uh, on the lakefront over the weekend? And uh, a lot of other things. The NBA calendar is beginning tonight. Uh, it is opening night there. Game seven. We're going to check in with Jesse Rogers, who is in Philadelphia. Coming up at 530. A lot more coming up next. Businesses are successful when they control their bottom line. That's why more businesses across northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to save on energy costs. Learn more at comed.com slash poweringbiz. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. We talked to Wilbon now on Tuesdays. We'll uh, still try and make it work at uh, 5 o'clock. He's got a, a lot going on, and we appreciate his flexibility. He's brought to you by Hawk. HawkAuto.com, Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, NVW, all in one place. HawkAuto.com, where Chicagoland saves big. Michael, how you feeling today? Um, I'm good. I'm excited. Ready for some basketball tonight. Um, opening night of the season, obviously. And then, um, you know, a couple of games I really care about watching, even though it's early. And then uh, we jump in with our own network coverage tomorrow, tonight's Turner. They get the first game. We get, of course, the finals, but we get uh, tomorrow night a doubleheader uh, for Madison Square Garden. I'll actually be in the garden tomorrow night for Nick Celtics. So I'm, 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 in a place I like to be uh, as we approach November. Are you uh, the NBA starting up? Are you more excited about tonight's opening night in the NBA or Game Seven of the NLCS? Uh, you know, I'm probably about fifty-fifty. Um, I certainly will be watching both. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a two TV night. It's probably a three. T- well, it doesn't need to be three because there's only two NBA games on. But it's a two TV night for me, um, and it was last night as well. I didn't think that I didn't wasn't expecting Game Seven to get so out of hand so quickly uh, in Houston. Man, you talk about flatlining. Uh, so I don't know what to expect tonight. Uh, I'm not worried about what to expect. I just want to see. I hope there's some drama to Game Seven in the National League, unlike the American League, which produced none. And then I'll watch uh, both basketball games. Don't lose the controller for TV three because you still have Blackhawks and Bruins. That's right, Blackhawks and Bruins tonight. Yeah. Okay. And the Blackhawks need to get off this. What is it? A three-game skid. Um, so they they need to. They beat Boston. Mike, the outcomes don't even matter. We just watch Connor Bedard for three yeah, periods every you know, night. You know that's. So I was the other day. I was actually talking to somebody who uh, knows the NHL, and the question was: So do we care about finishing in the in the the equivalent of the lottery again? I mean, do we care about picking high again? Is this draft? that deep and and i guess some opinions are pretty strong that this draft is very deep that you don't have a bedard like player at the top but you have a draft that's deep enough that you might be okay missing the playoffs again and picking really high in it to go to twin somebody with bedard so i'm watching with i'm watching the blackhawks with it okay it reminds me of the 84 85 bulls right where they weren't very good 
They were decent. I know they made the postseason, uh, but they weren't uh, a contender. And you were just watching Michael, right? And the greatness there. Well, we were watching Michael, but is that did did we wind up drafting Charles Oakley? My, my memory's getting. Was that the year we drafted Oakley afterward? I think so. Did, I got to double was check. Oakley the next pick. I mean, it, you know, and obviously Oakley wasn't on those teams that became great, but he helped set them up by being traded to, to New York for Bill Cartwright uh, and allowing for Horace Grant to actually get some playing time. So, so I, yeah, i got to look that up again. I don't know who they drafted that year. But that, it, it, interesting, Sylvie, if that is a, a I'm being told situation. it was 85-86 by Jeff Meller. Jeff Meller said. There we go. There we go. Okay. And by the way, we'll be breaking down the 23-24 NHL draft sometime <laughs> later this week because <laughs> it's what we do. do you, speaking of Game 7, do you know what was um, – one of our buddy, uh, one of our buddies, Mitch and Bartlett, reminded me of what was going on seven years ago today. Seven yeah. years ago yeah. today, I was there. I was in Cleveland. It not. It wasn't yeah. quite yet in Cleveland. So it, this was on the brink of in Cleveland. No. And, and oh, wait, wait. Today. Oh no. Today is that's right. Today. No, no. That game was on like the. It was on the thirtieth, wasn't it? Game seven in Cleveland was the thirtieth, maybe. Yeah, um, so, so, so we were in between the NLCS. The Cubs had just won the NLCS a couple days before this, and we okay. were awaiting the World Series. And he reminded me, he said, seven years ago today, no ESP, ESPN 1000 Cubs beat reporter Jesse Rogers went on the Waddle and Sylvie show saying that it's very likely that Cubs slugger Kyle Schwarber will be on the active roster for the World oh, Series wow. as a DH. Schwarber wow. went one for three with an RBI for the Arizona Fall League team today. Wow. So that was seven years no, ago. Got, it's, it's one I'm of the greatest comeback stories. My former neighbor, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, it's one of the greatest comeback stories in the history of Chicago. The great comeback to play that year and to play in the World Series. Yep. Did he have a home run in like in in game one in Cleveland? Mm, Off the wall, almost. Double. I had a I had a hundred dollar okay. bet to, for him to be the first to homer. It was forty to one. I was just about a half a foot away from a four thousand wow. dollar payday. Wow. Good, you know, yeah. the kids got to eat. You know, so it could help. <laughs> I got four of them. The kids could have eaten. By the way, that was as like I'm a Reds fan, but that was as fun a, a baseball experience as I've ever had with the Cubs World Series with with the Cleveland Indians at the wow, time. It's certainly the most fun I've ever had. Unbelievable! And I've been following this stuff since I was, you know, seriously following baseball since I was five years old. I mean, that baseball is the first the, the love of my life, the first love. And so, yeah, th- th- that will that will probably go to my grave with that being the most fun. And I mention it, Mike, because experience. we've talked a lot about it, and we're not there. We haven't been in Philly to watch this Phillies team play, but it- it's a team that I think you know draws your attention because of some of the incredible offensive things that they can do. They 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 do. I mean, I'm I'm rooting hard for Arizona tonight. Oh, so I'm not rooting for Philly at all. Um, and you know, I- I'm not. It has for me. It has nothing to do with Bryce Harper leaving Washington because I'm not a Washingtonian in that way, even though I've lived here for forever. But if I, I, I said this on the air recently, if I was a Washingtonian, I would hate Bryce Harper for going down the up the road less than two hours and and finding a home and talking about how great they are all the time and how he wants to do this for the city of Philly. If I was a Washingtonian, I would hate Bryce Harper. But yes, Philadelphia is a charismatic team. 
Yeah. And I hope they lose. I really do. <laughs> it's just to me, the it's going to be a boring World Series, though, with Arizona and Texas, if that happens. I, I, I don't. I don't get into that. I mean, you know, there there are teams that become exciting in these positions. Yeah, I don't, I don't need, I don't get into the whole. The teams earn their way. If the Arizona Diamondbacks get to the World Series, they will have earned it by beating this team with all this charisma. And so I, you know, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch any more or less of the World Series because the Phillies are in it. If they are. I'm not going to watch any more or less. I'm going to watch the World Series because it's the World Series. And that's when some of these legends are made. Um, Joe Carter became a legend because he hit this home run playing for Toronto. I don't care that the rating points don't count in America. I don't give a damn about that. It's the World Series. That's good enough for me. Uh, I hate to give you whiplash uh, careening from baseball to football, but what did you think about our Bears and Tyson Bajent getting past the Raiders on the lakefront Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I got the same feeling and questions of most other Bears fans and maybe people closer than fans. What now? And luckily, you know, you, you, you got to, you know, nobody wants to have a large sample size. Any, everybody's willing to make stupid knee-jerk reactions off right. the smallest of sample sizes. I'm not going to do that. Nope. Um, I want to see what he can do this week. Apparently, he's going to start. Uh, he's going to have another opportunity uh, on the road, no less, against um, a better team. I mean, I, I know their record isn't much better than the Bears at two and four, but I want to see what happens again. I need to see it again and again and start to. You know, not make decisions, but just observe. Just like, you know, put the glass, put the put the pen down. You know, as I've heard some older scouts tell young scouts in every sport, put the pen down. Stop looking at the notebook. Look at the game, and let's see what happens. We got we got a we got some watching. We got some some viewing to do, and so. We go into this game against the Chargers able to do just that. Yeah, and, and like, I, I think sometimes, too, Michael, that we always want to go from point A to point Z. We always want to, yeah, like, yeah. in this hot take world, and we don't, I don't think we uh, uh, enough times just stand up and say, that was a nice performance. It, it, it yeah. was in the one game. He, like, for a guy from where he came from in his first, like, it's hard enough for any rookie quarterback making his first start uh, yeah. for a bad team, no less. That was, that, he, the kid did a nice job. He did a very nice job. I, I was, you know, the thing that I, I don't have a clock on this stuff because, but I'm, I'm, I'm just like, okay, what is the difference here? Why is even the running game better? Because there was a pace to what he did, I thought. And, and, Tommy, you can tell me I've lost my mind. I thought no. there was a pace and there was a rhythm to what he did. Yeah. And it wasn't up there trying to go through a list of plays and call audibles every time and check into the best to check in that. No. He walked up and snapped the damn ball. And they moved. They went. They got after it. I, I just thought there was something to that. I don't know what the scientific you know, nomenclature for that may be, but I just I like the, the way he called the game. And so let's see what happens this Sunday. If it's more of the same, less, not similar, uh, something that makes you go, ooh, a second straight week, let's just see. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I, for me, there's no grand proclamations other than the kid right. completed 72% of his passes. It was a clean performance. It was efficient. It was effective. He did yeah. exactly what they asked him to do, which was to 
basically manage this offense. He got the ball out quick. Uh, I think that he negated some of the pass rush with Max Crosby by being able to move around in the pocket and finding throwing lanes. And yes, they ran the football against a defense that has struggled to stop the run. So it was a, it was a well-designed plan. It was executed quite well and they got complimentary play from their defense again for the second consecutive week. So yeah. it was just fun to watch a Bears team win and do it in, in, you know, in an efficient fashion where they weren't out there shooting themselves in the foot. There were no boom goes the dynamite mo- uh, moments. Moments, yeah. And, like, no turnovers. Like, if you commit zero turnovers and you play clean, efficient football, there's a good chance in this you league you're going to win. You got an opportunity. That's all. And the same thing this week where fourteen has been frustrated, the Chargers, by losing close games. And God knows what kind of you know self-destructive moments that head coach may author. So let's let's see if they can put another one together. Speaking of coaches, we've talked a lot about Jim Harbaugh. It was Waddle's quarterback. Uh, you being a, a a Big Ten guy, you know about what's going on at Michigan. Yeah, yep. you know Kevin Warren a little bit. Yeah, would Kevin Warren be against hiring a guy coming off? a cheating scandal in the Big Ten as the former boss of the Big Ten. That's a great um, context to put that in, Sylvie. Um, that's, a great, that's a great context. I had not thought of it in that way. I think that Kevin, I, and I have not talked to Kevin about this, I think Kevin Warren is going to be in favor of trying to find the best coach right. the franchise can find for this group of people at this time. And I will say this. In another Context. Let, let's say the boss had nothing to do with the Big Ten for the previous years and had not been the commissioner. I think it wouldn't matter at all. Mm. Not at all. I think that things that matter a lot at the collegiate level usually don't matter at all. I don't know how that will affect Kevin. It, it's gotta, he's got to feel a certain kind of way about it. Even if he feels a certain kind of way, though, it doesn't mean he has to act on it. You know what I mean? Like, like nobody in nobody in the peer group that is the NFL is going to say, "Oh, no. Harbaugh cheated in no. the scouting." No. no, no, nobody gives a damn. No. So now he may feel a certain way, but I think that Kevin is about finding when it comes time, whoever that is, the best coach for this situation for the Bears now. And I think it's time for Harbaugh to go. It's time for him to go. Especially if he get, if he gets to the championship game and he wins it, what better way to go out? As somebody that has the pulse of this conference, do you believe that they could issue a penalty that may prevent them from playing no. in the Big Ten tournament? Or you're at, you I know, don't have... think they'll do it because the Big Ten will be, you know, selfish enough or self centered enough that yeah, I don't think they'd want to do that. A legit question, Tommy. Legit question. But I, I think for self-preservation, they won't right. actually do it. That there will be that will be considered that some voice in the room sitting at the table will say, listen, enough of this guy. But this year, if you have a chance to win, and look, it's a two-conference existence now. College football is a two-conference two culture. It's the Big Ten and the SEC. And the SEC is down. Georgia is not great. Alabama is not great. And there's no great team in the SEC. Are you going to bail no. on the chance to win a national championship? 
I don't think so. What do they call that? Cutting so, off your nose to spite your face? Yeah. I mean, like you don't <laughs> yes, want to exactly. do that. And no, by the they're way, not going to do it. I want to get your opinion on the rule itself. I personally think it's a stupid rule. I think it's a dumb rule. I, I get it. Rules, you can't break them. I get it. But yes. like, it is the wild, wild west in the NCAA yeah. with regard to NIL stuff. This was put into place because they felt like it gave some schools an unnatural advantage because other and I don't schools, know what advantage that would be Well, because they said some schools didn't have the budget to send some yeah, of that, their, right it's so in dumb. 1994 right that was even stupid in 1994 to I put agree. that in the in this conference first of all you could drive to every damn school in the conference <laughs> there was no Maryland right. or Rutgers in 1994 right. there might I, I don't think there was a Penn State in 1994, I don't think there was. No, I don't maybe think there so. was. Maybe it was new. Maybe that was like the first. Right. So what? Right you can't drive time. with Bloomington and and Minneapolis or out of driving range. It's garbage. It's a stupid rule. Get rid of it. And I and I look. I, I I am I am put into my place by Booger McFarland, who says, "Wait a minute. It is a rule." And so there, you he has to pay attention. Michigan has to. Pay. And I I grant you that. Get rid of the rule. It's a dumb rule. Yeah. You should. People should be cheating when it, or, or doing anything when it comes to scouting to gain an advantage. That's the point of scouting. That's the point of signals. Stealing signals. Steal them. Steal them away. I learned how to, to try to steal those when I was in Little League. I don't want to hear any more about that. That's why Spygate was so stupid. But I, I, it's a rule. They could do something more to Michigan. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, I use that to say, you know what? I don't want to put up with these silly little sophomoric things anymore. I'm ready for bigger and better things. Get me back to the NFL. I would use it to galvanize my football team as well yeah. and have Us them against roll the world. over yeah. people. Yeah. That's a good point, too. Yeah. All right. Were you a good sign stealer? Yeah. yeah. What was, was the key? Was what was the key there for you stealing signs? Uh, wind up walking to some place that I shouldn't have been, even in uniform, <laughs> to steal signs. That's what George Hallis used to do, as Sylvie was talking about earlier. He used to be the king of, of you know, tape or, or having somebody watch practices and try to yeah, get an edge. do whatever you can. Yeah. And if the other team is not cognizant of that and doing things to change those signs, they hell with them. So I don't have any ill will toward Harbaugh for this. I really don't. Okay, that's, that's and a surprise. I, and, I, you know, and, and, and let me ask you something. Who's higher on your list of next Bear coach than Jim Harbaugh? Uh, he's right now. I put him, him at the top of the ben list. Johnson, like I, like I'm. I want a good list. Like, give me a list of five or six really good candidates, and let yeah. Kevin Warren interview them without a committee, and uh, him and Ryan Poles get to work. Yes, I agree. We don't need a committee. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you you know, you bring them into the office. It's it's, it's four or five guys, Mac, maybe four, and you know. I, I, I get to work. It's right. Yeah. And again, I um, remind everybody that you can join us uh, Mondays at two ten for, for the, the Matt Eberflus show. show. We yeah. do host the coaches <laughs> show, so we can have conversation, Mike. We can I have different conversations at no, different it's times. Not personal? Yeah. No, of course yeah, not. I won't join you for that. Um, you should. Yeah, I, I, I won't. I won't be we have joining. A good time. I, we have a good time. I'm sure you do. Uh, you probably about like the times you had on the the Canadian Genius Show. <laughs> You didn't have that. We show. never hosted that. Though. And the yeah. Fox, the Coach Fox that. show. Oh, he had and that over vodkas, though. Yeah, and, 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 and the I don't want to coach. 
I don't want to coach the kid from Carolina show. I want to coach the guy I had as a redshirt rookie in Kansas City. I want to coach him. I want to coach him that show. Well, this is our first year as the home of the Bears, so we didn't give us they didn't give us access to the coaches prior. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on already. All right, enjoy the NBA tonight and uh, the rest of the sports. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike. All right, you guys. There you go. There's Michael Wilbon. Now on Tuesdays, Barstool Big Cat will be in studio on well, most Wednesdays, and he'll be in studio at 4 o'clock tomorrow. And again, lots of good sports on tonight. You got Game 7 with the Phillies uh, against the Diamondbacks, and you've got Bedard and, and this hockey red zone that they're doing on ESPN. And then, of course, you've got NBA opening night. Compelling, compelling game. It's Nugs and Lakers. So if you are an NBA fan... Think that you'll be in that was Eastern, uh, the Western Conference Finals, wasn't it? I believe yeah. so. Uh, find the greatest coming up. Then I want to get into some more Bears conversation uh, at five. If you want to weigh in, 312 332 3776. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Time to find the great on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Find the great, presented by Great Clips. That's right, let's find the great. Uh, I am going to go with my guy, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber tonight. I am uh, looking for him to be great tonight. They're facing the rookie, uh, Fott, who is great. In his last outing, they only allowed. I'm very fat. Um, Not fat, fat like a fat. Like I just cut a fat. Oh, you cut a fat. I I see. I thought you were making a fat joke and saying fat. Oh no! You're making a a fart fart joke joke. and saying fat. Fat. He was great. uh, His last outing, wasn't he? And they only allowed him twice through the order. I think they're going to. They're going to figure him out here early, and obviously he's going to have a short leash, as everyone will. In a game seven, but I think they hit him early here. I think after this last time, uh, they'll understand what they're facing. And I, I, I think after the the Phillies' offense was silenced last night, they're going to come out with some thunder. Early. Eruption, yes. So that's that's my great. My great is Bruce Bochy. How about the what he has accomplished as a manager? Is six wins and winner take all postseason games as a manager. This was his 13th managerial win in the postseason game when facing elimination. Seventh manager to reach the uh, LCS with at least three franchises. 5-0 and all-time series record in league championship series. He's got a giant head, and it's yes. filled with baseball knowledge. You almost forget about the Padres days, right? Yeah. I mean, you're like, you think of him just with San Francisco. Did he win two or three with the Giants? Two? Three. He won three. Uh, I thought he won three, right. wasn't he did. it? Yeah. He won three World yeah. Series three titles. It was every other year, wasn't it? Exactly. 10, 12, 14. giant baseball brain underneath yes, that enormous is. hat. Yes, it is. What do you got, Meller? Uh, my great is, if you didn't know it already... He just put an exclamation point on it on Sunday. Miles Garrett, another two sacks, another two forced fumbles, one of which was recovered in the end zone for the Browns in a game that they won by one point. And, oh, by the way, for good measure, he leaped over the center and blocked a field goal. So in a game where the Cleveland Browns won 39-38, to Miles Garrett is single-handedly creating havoc 
I think he basically won the NFL Defensive Player of the Year with his performance. It's very, Randy Merkin, wow. very Mer- Randy Merkin-like to declare a winner hey. at this point. Oh, by the way, but. he has he was the fastest ever to reach 80 career sacks. Yes. He uh, beat what what uh, a record that Reggie White held. He wow. uh, did so before turning the age of 28. He's, He's awesome. To watch him jump over that guard to block that field goal was probably the most impressive thing I saw this weekend. Tyler, speaking of guys jumping over the line, my great is Fred Warner stopping the tush push yesterday by leaping the line to to stop the the fourth and one play. Or third not, and one play. not everyone does it like the the Eagles, right? Nobody does. Yeah, like yeah. an innovative Kirk, stop. There. Kirk Cousins is easier to stop on the tush push yeah, than Jalen Hurts. Yes, yes, just a little bit different in the strength of the legs. All right, uh, coming up next, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bajent. And I, I, I brought this up to you, how I've seen other Bears quarterbacks shrivel. Like, a lot of people have downgraded what he did in his first start. Oh, he only threw for 162 yards. I did a little research to put into context, comparatively to guys that they gave up a lot for on what they never did in their Bears career. I want to I wanna give you a couple of examples coming up next.